Welcome to the post-game show here on Optus Sport. Great to have you with us. And if you're tuning in via the Optus Sport football podcast as well, Japan celebrate a 3-1 victory over Norway to qualify for the quarterfinals of this Women's World Cup. Welcome to our post-game show. I'm Neve Owens here alongside Catherine Canooley, Jess McDonald and Thomas Sorensen. Nules, we score, saw them score 11 goals through the group stage and we saw more of that tonight. This Japanese side is such a delight to watch. They are. They're a, a, a delight to watch. They've been absolutely phenomenal in this this tournament and I just can't wait to see them come up against you know more opposition and how they can actually adapt their games to different opposition's games as well. Norway a real roller coaster of a tournament Jess and a roller coaster of a first half as well they scored a goal in either end of the field in the first of 45 and Japan don't need any help scoring goals. No not at all I mean 14 goals in, in four games it honestly doesn't get any better than that but as far as Norway I, I would like to see how they regroup for you know during these next three and four years for you know the Olympics coming up and also the next World Cup because they they have the talent they, they've got it but you know Japan obviously as usual as expected they brought their A game unfortunate on this first own goal by Norway team um, but to be honest Japan continued to go after them and, and you know stay on their front foot in the attacking wise. It's Engen's name who ended up on the score sheet for this one Tommy but you weren't happy watching with Mickelson's positioning. No, she was, uh, again, she was too aggressive and, and then got caught. She got sucked in and, and uh, should have readjusted. Uh, but I think, you know, you're looking at Norway setting up in that defensive shape with five at the back. They made two clear mistakes that cost goals. And, and you can't allow that because, you know, they contain Japan to, to some extent. Um, but, yeah, made two crucial mistakes. And, uh, you know, that's, you can't do that at this level. They didn't create a lot of opportunities, Nules, but with their first foray into Japan's 18-yard box, they capitalised on it. They did. They, they wanted to um, go direct a little bit more. I think as, they, as the game went on, they probably should have went direct a little bit more in, in general. I think as well for, for Norway, they did sit in that block, but they didn't really have an outlet because Roman Haag was sitting really, really deep. So when they'd pick up the ball, there was actually nowhere to go. And you can see here from the goal kick from the keeper that she's gone long. Roman Haag's actually come deep. He's, I feel like they've actually practised this on the training field. They've gone for the flick on. This could have been a play for them that they're looking to actually score goals. It was a great cross and a clinical header from Guru Wrighton, which is, shows their quality. But I think if they'd done this a little bit more, and you've seen when Ada Hegerberg came on as well, that they were looking to go a little bit more direct, and that's where they actually had more chances. And Hegerberg had that chance when, when she came on at 2-1, at I think. You know? So, so they, they, you know, with a bit of luck, they could have got something out of it, but they didn't deserve it. But again, I think they, they you know... Just kept their head above water for, for 90 minutes but got punished right at the end for, for the free one. So it was 1-1 at half time, Jess. And then early in the second half, Borisa for Norway with a back pass that she will not want to watch back. No, you should never do a no-look pass in your 18. I mean, first thing she should have thought about was obviously clearing the ball away from that area because Japan, they have too many numbers in and around the ball. You know, they're hungry. They've been in your final third majority of the game. That's, that's the last pass you honestly want to do. So well done on Japan's side for, for finishing that and staying on their front foot and pressuring them inside of their 18 still. Do you know what I love here? Vilda Baurisa assist to Risa 
the Japanese player. <laughs> you know? I'm absolutely and loving that. Family family connection. There's some sort of connection here. Maybe she felt like she was the Risa Teresa connection. But quality finish, it just shows the, the timing of Risa in there that gets into the box. She just nicks it away from her. And yeah, that's, that's the strength of the fullbacks for Japan. Endo on one side, you have Shimizu, like Risa Shimizu on, on the other, and they're bombing forward and, and taking chances and getting rewarded. Being in that area yeah, to be able exactly. to pick that up is, is phenomenal too. Absolutely. We were watching this second half then, Jess, play out, and we were saying, when's Hegarisa going to make some changes? When's she going to throw those troops forward? She made them, but what it ultimately went, meant was that Japan had room to capitalise at the other end. They really did. And, you know, Japan still had the momentum. You know, I, I think she did her substitutions a little too late because once they got a little more direct, once Ada Heidelberg came in, you know, they, they created some chances, but Japan was able to seal the deal with this third goal by, you know, no other than Miyasawa, which is absolutely incredible ball, you know, through the through the back line. She was in the half space, went in behind the def defender's back shoulder. I mean, clinical finish. And there's so much to it, actually, because Yueki makes the run across, drags the defenders that actually allows Miyasawa to be onside. You know, so, you know, the, there's so much to it, you know, it, it, you know, you can just see that these players have played together for so long, understand each other so well. The Japanese have done that so well. You see um, uh, Ayobo as well. She makes so many forward rounds, which actually opens up the space for other players to occupy that space and actually, you know, be a lot more clinical in that front third. And that's what I love about them. They make these selfless runs, which it just opens up things for everyone else. And you can just see that team unity. And that's why that collective is what's given them the success in this tournament at the moment. We also see those individual superstars emerge come Women's World Cup time, don't we? Ultimately, Mia Zawa had scored four goals in 22 caps before this tournament. She has five in four games now, Jess. She has announced herself on the international stage. Oh, yeah. World, watch out for this one because, you know, she's on her front foot. She's on a roll. And once a striker starts scoring goals... It's so hard to stop. Once you start gaining that momentum, once you start gaining that confidence in front of goal, you're scoring bangers every game. You don't see that in the World Cup very often. But this time around, you're seeing it, and I think it's something historical and something beautiful to honestly watch. Now, you both spoke about Yamashita in the build-up to this game. She hadn't been tested often during this tournament. Three <laughs> clean sheets in the group stage. Well, late in this one, Tommy, you are up and about for what is potentially saving the tournament so far. We told you we were going to have crucial and great saves and what a save this was. Everyone thought it was over the line, but Yamashita, just the way she claws it back. You know, you know sometimes when you're on the line and you, your body weight tends to then go backwards, but she manages still to have strength in her arm you know, to keep, to keep it um, you know, off the line. Fantastic save. Tommy, I read an article the other day that coaches either look at technical goalkeepers or brave goal, goalkeepers, but most coaches will always go with a brave goalkeeper over a technical goalkeeper. What's your preference? Now, nah, at the end of the day, it's about saving. But, you know, I, I, I've always been a, a technical and, and I, I love, uh, you know, my positioning and uh, your hands and everything else. So th this is good technique. Um, and, and I think to be a top keeper, you've got to have it. At the end of the day, you need to save it. But, uh, you know, this is a crucial save at a, at a great time in the game. 
and a huge moment. These are moments that yeah. can be tournament-defining, ultimately, can't they? We know Japan can score goals. They've shown us that, but they're awfully stingy at the other end of the park. Absolutely. Which is what can win you the title. Yeah, and, and I'm happy that I wanted to mention the goalkeepers because they were both going to get tested today. And Yamashita, we haven't been able to see exactly what, what she can do, but we did this time around. She stepped up in the exact moment her team needed her to. I was even at the edge of my seat. Sometimes I don't, you know, really root for the keepers the way, you know, a lot of, you know, ex-goalkeepers ex <laughs> are goalkeepers. You're not part of the goalkeeper <laughs> union. <laughs> I'm not part of the goalkeeper union. But she had me at the edge of my seat, and I was honestly screaming for her. So what a world-class save. So, you know, Yamashita you know, bowing down to you, sister. Tommy, it must be tough, though, when you're a goalkeeper and you're in a game and you don't have much action, then all of a sudden you have to be called upon. How does that feel when you're in that moment? You know, that's where concentration comes in and obviously experience as well. And, and you could see that, you know, it, it, it's about staying engaged in a game because sometimes, yeah, as you said, Japan had the ball for most of the time. Yamashita is just standing there, but... But that proves that she's she's a top keeper, that she can keep mentally on top of, of things and, and, and can step up at the right time. Well, Michelle Escobar told us she was Norwegian at halftime when the <laughs> scores were all locked up at 1-1. I reckon she might have changed nationalities at the FIFA fan park come full-time in this one. Michelle, what's the vibe like out there? Nevi, <laughs> with the most ecstatic fans at Tumbalong Park. performance it was amazing the team played well it was great I think they have a potential to go through to the final and maybe even win it, it yeah is everyone confident that Japan can win the World Cup yeah good good yeah maybe maybe <laughs> I think everyone else is far more confident now Neve, there is a face painting tent right over there I might just get some face paint on my face with Japan on there <laughs> Loves a bandwagon, happy to jump on whichever one is going around. Michelle Escobar from Tumbalong Park in Darling Harbour where the fans have absolutely loved that one. Let's have a look then at Japan's road to the final because they progress now to the quarterfinals where they will meet the winner of tomorrow's huge clash. World number three, Sweden, up against world number one, the USA. The winner of that game will play Japan in a cracker quarterfinal. Can't wait for tomorrow's round of 16. Can't wait for the football that follows. Let's have a look back then for a moment at Norway's World Cup because Norway's had a disappointing Euros experience now off the back of that. They've had what really has to be defined as a disappointing World Cup. A loss to New Zealand in the opening game. They got it together enough to progress to the group stage from the group stage, but only just. Very disappointing for a team that we said on paper is, is such a, a world-class team as well. I think they'll have to be... Uh, an inquiry into what's going on in that team to actually either we do a regroup and we re refresh the whole team, but they have to look at a four-year plan leading into the next World Cup. Ada Hegerberg had a self-imposed five-year ban from the national side. She's back in the setup now, but we saw a complete warm-ups in their second game before heading down the tunnel before kickoff. Maybe a slight strain, calf strain in that one, but plenty of questions, Jess, around team unity and the relationship they have with their coach, the trust that they have with their coach. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge question mark, you know, Ada Heidelberg coming into this tournament. I mean, how injured was she? You know, we haven't seen her at her, at her best at the international level in a very long time. I mean, Euros, disappointing. 
World Cup, she was a no-show, basically, played bare minimum. So I think that the team after this World Cup need to come together, see what they can do staff-wise. Maybe they need some changes, you know, behind the scenes. And hopefully with, you know, the talent that they have, they can come together moving forward. It is a disappointing end to the tournament for a powerhouse of women's football, aside a nation that has made each and every Women's World Cup, Thomas. And really, they've gone out without a whimper in this tournament. Yeah, you know, you can sit there and, you know, few and far between the memories that, that we really have. And, uh, and, and I agree with Christine, like the, the, the players they have on paper, you know, they, they play in world, you know, world, some of the world's best clubs and, and they just can't get together. And then when you hear, you know, rumours that the team has had a sit down and, you know, and, and requiring if, if the players were, you know, buying in or not, and mm. that's just not good. And it, and it then falls back on the manager, uh, the coach, um, and a potential change in that direction. International football for the women's space has changed now, where before sometimes some, you know, teams would get a long period of time with them. Now we've only got the girls in the international breaks when the clubs will release them. So your time with these players are very, very limited. And if you don't have buy-in from the group and there's a couple of players there that are about that individual side of things, you have to nip that in the butt early and you've got to get rid of that because international football is completely different to, you know, your normal club team where you've got so much time to be able to be that player manager or be able to, you know, wean things out in those situations. So Norway's tournament ends here, but Japan's continues and it continues in style. We've got a massive three days of round of 16 action coming up for you right here on Optus Sport. Coming up on Optus Sport, the round of 16 continues. Sudden death football is here. Tomorrow, 11am, for the first time ever, South Africa are in the knockout rounds. They take on an absolutely on-fire Netherlands. And at 6pm, the defending champs were rattled against Portugal. Now the USA have a huge battle ahead. They face an informed Sweden. Monday, we cannot wait. 4.30 Eastern, Nigeria play a sensational England. And then it's the big one. 7.30 Eastern, go you good things. The Aussies take on Denmark for a place in the quarterfinals. Jamaica are through and not one team has scored against them. Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, can surprise packet Colombia find a way? And at 8.30 Eastern, the Titans of France face surprise packet Morocco. The round of 16 begins and every match is live on Optus Sport. Welcome back to the post-game show. It is awesome to have your company. Narelle Sindos and Paul Eiffel were there and they filed this report at full time. Spain put on an absolute masterclass against the Swiss. 5-1 it finished here at Eden Park. Paul, I already know who you're going to say, but who was the standout player for you? Atana Bonmati. I thought she was class from, from start to finish. I think, you know, coming into the game, not sure what you're going to get from Spain. She controlled the game from start to finish. Um, I was actually disappointed when they brought her off. I wanted to see her play 90 minutes. Obviously, they're saving her for the next round, but she, she was class today. It was such a statement win, especially considering we were wondering how they were going to bounce back against that defeat to Japan. And I think they really did make a statement here tonight. Yeah, you, you can see they did a lot of work in the week. They've uh, obviously gone back to the drawing board. It was a, a bit of a hammer in a 4-0. Uh, and then suddenly they've had to turn that round in a couple of days. And I thought they did a great job of that. Switzerland, though, their coach, Inka Grings, do you think she got her tactics all wrong? Yeah, look, I think so. Like I said before the game, I think there was a blueprint there. I think Japan had shown, shown everybody what to do. Um, sit off. 
looked to catch them on the counter-attack and, and they went against that, which was very surprising. So Spain go marching on. No doubt the Netherlands and South Africa were watching this match very closely tonight, Neve. Thanks so much, Narelle and Paul. So Spain through to the quarterfinals for the very first time. And in the midfield, Bon Matti is an absolute superstar, isn't she? Opening goal five minutes in and they couldn't have asked for a better start. She's a joy to watch. The quality that she brings to this, to this side. She's just such... She's just like a street footballer. You can see that this is what she does on the streets of Barcelona growing up, but her eye for goal is just, is just so on point. We've had, what, eight own goals throughout this tournament? Can we just outlaw back passes, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, but at least no-look back passes <laughs> against a, a keeper who's making her first uh, international appearance. Uh, that was, you know, it brought Switzerland back into it, but only for, uh, for a little while. You know, because they, they were there, Hermosa, I think. Uh, no, so yeah, it's just, you know, all over the, the Swiss back line and, and just finding space uh, all the time, more or less. 3-1 lead at half-time, Jess. This game was over at the break. Absolutely. And obviously Spain, they, they scored all the goals in this game. Switzerland had pretty much no chance, simply because Spain had most of the possession. I mean, more, more shots on goal, more shots throughout throughout this game and, you know, Spain doing Spain things. And so just really good quality from the Spanish side. Exactly what we expected from them going up against Switzerland. And I really wanted to see how they were going to do to bounce back from that loss against Japan. And they, they sealed the deal. Hermosa's finish there was just world class. To Beautiful. put it the way she's just slotted that into the back of the net just shows the quality that they have across this whole team that actually can put um, goals in the back of the net. Well, on Monday right here on Optus Sport, Australia takes on Denmark. We're not going to ask the Danish member of our current panel any questions about this game in the lead-up. Let's hear from a couple of Aussies instead. Mark Schwarzer and Amy Chapman have been in Bris Vegas with the team in the lead-up to this game and they filed this report before flying south. Yes, Neve, we're here in Brisbane for what was the Matildas' last training session before they head down to Sydney ahead of their game against Denmark on Monday night. And the good news is there are no new injury concerns for the team ahead of that game. We did get a chance to catch up with Steph Catley and she told us how easy it is to play alongside Caitlin Ford. It's been years and years of linking up together and um, it is something that comes really, really naturally. We don't think about it at all. We're just, you know, training together all the time, playing together all the time. So after a while, you just figure out what works and, um, you know, what each other need and what each other like. And, um, yeah, I feel like I don't even have to look and I know where she is and what she wants. Um, you know, sometimes you play with the new player in front of you and there's, there's you know, they want it at feet and then you think they want it in behind and there's just none of that. It's just very natural and, and easy and, you, yeah, I don't really have to think when she's in front of me and, um, I mean, she's one of the best players in the world. Um, so it's easy enough for me to just give it to her feet and she holds it up, rolls, does something spectacular and makes me look good. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun playing with Kate for sure. It's great for the Matildas when you've got two players who play a lot of club football together as well. Yeah, absolutely. We can see how strong that left-hand side was for the Matildas against Canada. Steph Catley early on, overlapping, com combining with Caitlin Ford. They're both so familiar with each other's strengths and it's a real asset for the Matildas. No new injury concerns. Does Tony Gustafsson change anything for that game on Monday night? I'd be surprised if we see any changes. Obviously, he's monitoring a few players, um, but I think Charlie Grant, everybody's looking like they're ready to go. So... I think they'd still try and keep Sam Kerr as an asset to bring off the bench. Well, the news in here in Brisbane is that Danish pastries are completely off the menu. We haven't seen anywhere anywhere and they've been banned everywhere. But what I do see and am surprised about, you've gone Danish in the studio, guys. What's that about? 
Do you know what? We've questioned the producers on that front as well, Schwartz. Here's a very fine point. He's off my Christmas card list. <laughs> on Monday, we've got a couple of cracker games coming up for you. It starts with England up against nine-time African champs Nigeria heading in then to the big round of 16 clash between Australia and Denmark. Thomas Sorensen is here and Tommy, you know I love watching football with you, particularly when Australia wins. Mm. Can I ask <laughs> you about this Danish side heading into Monday night's clash? Because both Schwartz and Chappie mentioned there, that combination of Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford on the left. Are you guys going to be going with the same makeshift right back? Because that could make things difficult. I think Denmark have to, uh, so that's a potential weak point uh, for sure. Uh, and it's a big game for Danish football. You know, this is the first time we had the World Cup for 16 years, like first time in forever we qualified for, for the knockout stages. So, so it'd be interesting to see how the Danish players deal with this, because they'll be up against a well-oiled uh, Aussie team. And we give you a hard time, but we love seeing the <laughs> likes of Penilla Harder on the world stage. It blows my mind that this is the first time we've seen a player of her quality at the World Cup. Yeah, she's, she's won a title at every, every club she's been at for, I think, for seven or eight years. And uh, great player, but that just shows that, you know, sometimes, you know, everything is not given to you. And, and I know how happy she is to be at this World Cup, be a captain. She scored in the last game as well. So, you know, she'll do whatever she can to lead the team uh, on Monday. Look, we've given you your say. We're going to go to a break now. <laughs> Time for a very quick break here on the post-game show on Optus Sport. On the other side, we'll have a look at all the big games coming up for you tomorrow. The Netherlands absolutely charge into the round of 16. They take on South Africa tomorrow. South Africa, banana, banana, through to the knockout stages for the very first time before world number three, Sweden, takes on world number one, the USA. The kind of matchup we'd expect to see come semi-final time of a Women's World Cup. That is going to be an absolute cracker. Let's talk Netherlands first, Tommy, because the 2019 runners-up have been in fine form through the group stage. They don't need to change much, do they, to continue on their merry way <laughs> they're not going to change anything you know with all the talks of Miedemar not being there I think they've done a, a tremendous job we've seen Brooks come in young player uh, but then you got Gerard uh, van der Donk uh, Martins up front they've got plenty of firepower and what I loved when they played the US they had a bit of steel as well you know so they've got everything maybe lacking a little bit of pace at the back which uh, South Africa can potentially uh, get in behind but other than that you would expect the Netherlands to be uh, you know pushing in this game Banyana Banyana will be tested defensively, Jess, but they have got goals in them, and I also feel like they've got this secret weapon in Desiree Ellis. Absolutely, but the thing is, they're, they're scoring goals, but they're also getting scored on just as mm -hmm. much, you know? So I think defensively, they may struggle against this Netherlands team. Netherlands, they could move the ball really well, no matter, you know, what areas of the field that they're in. So it's, it's definitely going to be a really good test for the South African side. But I do want to see them scoring, you know, more, more goals coming this, this next game. I don't want no commentator's curse in this one, Nulls, but I feel like this will be a high-scoring contest. I think it will be. I think there's going to be a few goals from, from either end in this game. I think both teams have been fantastic in, in the um, lead-up to this game as well. I think... You know, we've got to really credit Desiree Ellis. She's tactically set up this South African team so, so well. She's done the best with what she's got. The way she's got that team playing with that belief, 
I'm so happy to see them progress. I thought that they were probably one of the best teams in that group. So that game at noon tomorrow, because, Jess, we thought the US would, in all likelihood, be in that game at noon tomorrow in a time zone that suits US audiences. They'll take on Sweden later in the day. Now, the US women's national team has never since the 1991 World Cup, finished lower than third place in a tournament. Do we see a really unwanted piece of history tomorrow? Ooh, 91. I was, I was three years old. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I want to go back that far once again for my girls, but definitely going to be a test tomorrow going up against Sweden. Sweden, they play with a lot of bravery. I mean, they just swept through the United States throughout the Olympics, 3-0. And we're, we're going to see the USA really get tested tomorrow. They, they got tested against the Netherlands, Portugal a little bit. You know, there was definitely, you know, I, I held my breath when Portugal hit the post. And so USA has definitely get, been getting tested throughout this World Cup. And Sweden's definitely going to bring it tomorrow. So hopefully... We move on from, from group stage, <laughs> you know, and play much better than what we have. And we have to give credit to the United States. Even though uh, being ranked number one, we expected a lot more from them, a lot more goals as well. But they didn't play very well in group stage. So the only room there is is room for improvement. So hopefully they do a lot better than they have so far. And if they do, it's going to be a very difficult time for, for Sweden. So, Jess, what you're saying is they can't get any worse than what they've done. <laughs> they definitely cannot get any worse <laughs> than what's been going on here for the United States. You know. Can I ask you what needs to change then, Thomas? Because both in front of goal and tactically, they've looked lost. And that's not a look that we're used to seeing from the US women's national team. No, but I think we've talked about it in, in the past. Is, you know, there's a lot of new young players have come in, a different change of culture, um, and, and it takes time. You know, and, and uh, you know, when you've been you know, used to success for so long, but, but you sort of lose that a little bit, then you know, you, you've got to sort of get new success. And this is what this, this team probably needs. You know, they need a great game tomorrow to, to kickstart it. And then it's not beyond them to, to go far into this tournament. But we need to see more, like, like we said. I disagree with you there because the US... Yeah. Vlatko has had so much time with this team and I, he should be in a better position in, in this tournament right now. The quality of the girls that he's got, even the younger ones that are coming through, yes, there's a generational shift in this team, but the quality that he has at his disposal... Those players are all playing in the US. He's got them whenever he wants them. The NWSL stops for them to be able to go into camps and play games. He should be doing better and he should be, you know, they should be talking about what's he done in this, in this lead-up in these last four years because the movement off the ball for the USA the other night was non-existent. They were the, the worst I've seen them in a very, very long time. And normally they, they dominate from their physicality, especially they can overrun teams. Now teams are starting to tactically outplay them. And that's going to be a big, big problem for them moving forward, going to play Sweden. Catherine Canooley dishing out the truth bombs left, right and centre Good. today. Like <laughs> Let's dip in. You're a Melbourneian, Tommy. We've thrown you under the bus a few times today, so I want to get your thoughts on this. Alex Morgan was asked about a very innocent social media post in a pre-match press conference. I'm not sure if you've seen, but the US um, social media team put out a post yesterday saying... Um, playing under the lights in Melby um, and it's caused a bit of a stir because I'm reliably informed the city prefers Melbs, I think. <laughs> I just wondered if that was a, a term that you guys had coined. Yeah, I, um, 
I, I didn't know there was a stir caused um, from, a, from shortening a city's name. I mean, they say Brecky, so I thought Melby was just the next continuation of that. Um, but we'll call them whatever they want, so it's Melbourne. Uh, but we, yeah, we're happy to be here in Australia, in Melbourne, and uh, we have spent all of our time thus far in New Zealand. We're looking forward to going back to New Zealand, but first we have to, we have to do the job that we came here to do, and um, it is nice to see another part of, um, of this region because we have been mostly in Auckland, so um, to be here in Melbourne at this beautiful stadium, we're really excited for the game tomorrow. Alex Morgan answering that one like a boss. Gee whiz, you're a touchy bum. I'm deeply offended. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say she handled it with such grace. She, you know, she pleased everyone and you know what, whoever was offended, I'm sure they can live with it. Big game coming up in Melby tomorrow and you can see it right here on Optus Sport. <laughs> a massive week ahead. Do you know what? Premier League action starts again next Saturday. If you're getting any sleep, get it now because it's not going to last long. Next Saturday on Optus Sport is the big night in FIFA Women's World Cup quarterfinals, the return of the Premier League and La Liga all on one big night. It all kicks off 4 p.m. Eastern with two quarterfinals of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Then at 8.30, the Premier League returns with Arsenal, Forest and more. At 3 a.m., it's Bienvenida to La Liga. The big night in next Saturday, only on Optus Sport. Lauren James, what a sensation she is. She has had the ball on a string throughout this Women's World Cup and she'll be looking to do more of the same when England take on Nigeria on Monday afternoon in that round of 16 clash as we have a look at the road to the final and it feels a little bit like the draw has opened up for this English side. The win against a nine-time African champs and either Colombia or Jamaica await in the next round and we saw Nulls after they got the job done in the opening games, they had a formation change in game number three. We saw exactly what the European champs can bring. They've been great. And you know, there's so much pressure on this team. They're the European champions. Serena Wigman, for me, I think she's one of the best managers in this competition at the moment. The way she changed the team to get the best out of what she's got, I think has been a, a top, top uh, decision by her. Lauren James, how silky is she? Honestly, what a player. Yeah, but also it's a team that, you know, had injuries coming in. They're looking for that little bit of inspiration and she has been it. Like, she has come in and lit it up and you can just sense that everyone around are just, you know, flying about and, uh, you know, it's such a great thing when that happens. You don't want to take this Nigerian side lightly, though. The Aussies were on the receiving end of that. And maybe three at the back, Jess, leaves them a little bit susceptible to what Nigeria can do on the counter. Absolutely. They're a very quick side and very physical as well. So they see you on the ball. They're going to come after you defensively. So I, I would love to see England get tested in that area, their physicality, and, and see how this next game is going to go. Thomas Sorensen, Jess McDonald, Catherine Canuli, thank you so much for your company today. Thank you. Thank you for your company at home. It's been brilliant to have you with us for the round of 16 action. Switzerland and Norway on their way home. Spain and Japan progress through to the final eight. Heaps more round of 16 action coming up for you tomorrow right here on Optus Sport.